You're listening to Resonating with Emmett O'Malley. Hey everybody, how's it going there? You're very welcome to Resonating with Emmett O'Malley. I hope you're having a nice Tuesday. How are you all doing? Hello, hello, hello. Lovely to be back here again with the podcast this week. We have a very special guest on the show this week, Michael Redmond. He is a legendary comedian both in Ireland and also in the UK. You would know him from his role in Father Ted. He plays Father Stone in episode two of Father Ted, entertaining Father Stone. I remember seeing this when I was a teenager, thinking like, it doesn't get much better than this. Just the whole scenario, this incredibly deadpan priest just sitting there and everybody struggling to make conversation and uh, I don't know just the characters involved the combination of the actors and the chemistry and uh, it's just unbelievable it's a comedy magic comedy magic I was going to say comedy gold but it's more than comedy gold anyway it's amazing stuff check that out have a bit of a a re-watch of episode 2 season 1 of Father Ted and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, Michael has been a good friend of mine since we met on the comedy scene back in 2007. I was in a competition called the Toilet Duck Award, and I actually got to the final. I was very pleased with myself, which was on the Aran Islands, which is off the coast, the west coast of Ireland, and I think it was on Inish Moor, which is the bigger one of the islands, And the idea was there would be a bunch of us in the competition on first. And while the judges were making up their mind on who would win the the Toilet Duck Award, Michael Redmond entertained the crowd. And I remember on the night, it it was kind of bizarre because Michael's delivery is quite deadpan. And he does a lot of (laughs) one-liners. And uh, this place was full of a bunch of pissed up uh, people in their early 20s and everyone was just making so much noise. It was a rowdy, rowdy night. But it was literally, uh, even still, Michael could go up there and uh, and like just kind of kill, basically. Um, at one point, I, I may be wrong, I don't know if this is a, a correct memory or if this is a bizarre dream, but someone got up on the stage and Michael... Um, was giving him piggybacks <laughs> around the stage and then Michael he just got off and Michael just went into a couple of gags and yeah anyway bizarre circumstances but that's where I met Michael and then a few months later I was chosen to perform in Vicker Street in Dublin which was uh, a big gig for me and it was actually connected to Father Ted as well it was called A Night uh, I think in memory of Dermot Morgan, something like that. It was the 10-year anniversary of Dermot Morgan's passing. Rest in peace. And uh, there was basically different actors from Father Ted, different comedians from the Irish circuit who had 
been on Father Ted and had become really well known, like Ardlo Hanlon and uh, Joe Rooney and, of course, Michael Redmond. And I got selected as a newcomer on the scene, which was really uh, such a privilege to perform on the night front of a thousand people i pretty sure i bombed i'm pretty sure it was really bad i think i did one joke that just had a bit of a ooh, ooh. it wasn't like that oh this is a terrible joke it's like he, he didn't say that did he oh god yeah it was a bit a bit tense uh, i just don't remember it going that well but michael was on that night and uh we started working on something else together after that uh we uh, got on well and yeah known him ever since but it kind of came to a nice um it kind of came back around a couple of years ago when i made a documentary series called sh- called i was going <laughs> to say short no i made a short documentary series no i made a documentary series of short films there we go called portraits and that's up on YouTube. If you want to watch it, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash waking hour films and just you'll find it there at the portrait series. There's three episodes. And uh, yeah, I went up to Glasgow with my buddy Clive and we filmed Michael for a few days and interviewed him and made this cool cool little documentary and i'm really proud of it and so check that out on youtube um that is a nice little insight into into michael and what makes him tick and you see him like performing in glasgow there and like yeah what a beautiful city as well it was such a privilege the whole lot anyway i'm talking to michael today michael redmond and uh he is a legend on the London stand-up scene uh, back in the 80s and one thing that really struck me was and I talked to him about this one thing that really struck me was that there was so little people doing comedy back then compared to now there was plenty of people doing comedy here in London but for example when he moved over from Ireland to London to do comedy like there was very 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 little people doing that at the time so it's such a unique unique thing to do i guess at the time and yeah such a unique guy and yeah really cool guy also make sure to check out michael on irishify.com that's irish and then ify.com where you can hire michael to do a shout out basically so you can go on there you can hire him to say like happy birthday or happy holy communion but he'll do it as father stone for father ted and uh yeah so if you want father stone to just pop up in uh, one of your friends inbox sometime this week irishify.com you can find them there also to support this podcast go to patreon.com slash emmett o'malley and sign up there you get music every month you get videos you get a weekly podcast called private pod which is a bit of fun so yeah why not sign up at patreon.com slash emmett o'malley also, we'd really appreciate it if you listen on Apple Podcasts to give us a rating and a review or give us a follow on Spotify. Check out the podcast on YouTube and subscribe. It's Emmett O'Malley Music. The same on Instagram and Facebook. That's Emmett O'Malley Music. Why not check out my music while you're there? There's loads of music on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Music and wherever else you listen to music. 
and share it around it all goes to support this podcast so whatever you find well give it a listen and i hope you enjoy it okay so here we go here's my chat with the lovely michael redmond I quite enjoyed uh, being in lockdown. I haven't sort of been going insane because I'm not gigging. I've sort of done other stuff on, um, on social media and things like that. And I've uh, mostly started to write a book called, called The Diary of a Comedian in Lockdown. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, it's, just, yeah. it's just a silly little jokey diary, you know. It's not a yeah. not a big novel thing or anything, but yeah. just kind of a, a jokey diary, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. The thing you so, always said before as well is like that you like first and foremost you're a writer like that's yeah that's that's what i see my, i would see myself initially as as a writer yeah but not not a serious writer unfortunately i can't write novels or plays or anything like that. it's just it's just a joke writer basically yeah yeah well that's awesome though like um yeah. i i just love the like there's a kind of a sense of kind of peace around that compared to like um i i know when i was doing comedy like i yeah. i love trying to come up with the the stuff as well uh, i was quite yeah, I, yeah. I was quite immature i think when i was doing it but what when i was like it, i i love the coming up with the stuff but the the going on stage and like kind of getting the validation that part of it was like the crucial part yeah. at that point in my life like i i needed yeah, that exactly and the thing is you write a joke and you can think that's great but you don't know till you actually tell it on stage yeah, exactly whether it's good or not you know i mean yeah. So many times I've sort of written jokes, I think that's brilliant. That's really going to storm it, and then it just gets nothing, you know. Yeah. And then there are other times where just a, a joke comes into your head and you think, oh, that's okay, but then you tell it on stage and everybody loves it. You just never know, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, matter, I mean, no matter how long you've been doing it, I think you, you can get more of a sense uh, the longer you're doing it, but you can ne- still never be sure. Mm. Yeah. Until you actually tell it on stage. That's why it's scary, I suppose, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a, a joke that bombs. <laughs> Definitely. Particularly, particularly, if you, particularly if you've been expecting it to go well as well, you know? Yeah, that's the worst, actually. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, or, or, yeah. Like a, or a whole set, you know? And, and, and sometimes it can, it can, you know, like, I think usually a great joke will, will carry through, like, uh, under, yeah. under most circumstances. But there are situations where no matter what what's going on there's a bad vibe there and uh, yeah yeah. You know. yeah well yeah, though, yeah in, in those circumstances yeah there's there's nothing you can do yeah it's just yeah just have to take it on the chin and just forget about it you know yeah um and you you've been doing these uh shout outs as well uh tell us a bit about that yeah it's um it's a an irish company called irishify.com is similar to the cameo people who do it in england and america mm. Mm. it's sort of people who are sort of relatively well known and um Say somebody is, uh, they know, say you have a brother who you know is a fan of Father Stone, for instance. Yeah. You could get a video of me wishing him a happy birthday or a happy anniversary or happy divorce, whatever he's, yeah. whatever he's going <laughs> yeah. through at the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, so the site is called irishify.com. So I've been doing those uh, um, since uh, since last August, in fact. Mm. So it's great. It's, just, you just have, it's, it's quite easy because I just have to hold a phone up. Yeah. to my face and record a video for 30 or 40 seconds you know and then i sent it to them and then they sent it on to the person who's asked for it you know it's, yeah. it's only 30 euros ago so not too expensive oh, that's cool you know and I, I i love your uh kind of uh 
I know, I I love your love for uh, the Father Stone thing as well because you know you you just you, yeah. you just you just you wear it well you know what I mean it's like you don't you don't like kind of it's, it's partly me I suppose really as well yeah. if I'm being honest it's yeah. not, not miles away from me <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, it is obviously to a degree you know I don't <laughs> don't go around just staring at people and saying I'm fine all the time <laughs> I should be a bit worried. But, um, this podcast, for yeah, example, so would be quite difficult in those circumstances. It would be very difficult. Yeah, I remember once actually. Um, you know, you know, I do. You know, I compare the stand, or I used to compare the stand every Sunday mm. in Glasgow. Yeah. And this woman came up to me afterwards. She she just I think she was over from Ireland on holidays, and uh, she says, "Yeah, I came to see you because of the you know Father Stone thing." But um, so I, I was, uh, to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought she'd be a bit more like Father Stone on stage. And, I was, and apart from the fact that I was actually comparing. <laughs> Can you not be a little bit more boring? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could you just stand there and not say anything and just introduce an actor or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The, 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 I don't know, the, the legacy of uh, Father Ted, the legacy of that character, but the legacy of the whole thing is unbelievable. Mm. Like how it's, still going on and it's like what, how many years ago was that you know like it was, well it was 94 when, probably I, when I filmed my episode 6 20, 29 27 years ago yeah 27 28 years ago yeah incredible. Yeah. incredible but it doesn't seem to be abating at all you know I mean it seems no. to no it's incredible no it's like that just that thing that you know good uh, good stuff it just because it, it, it's it's of the time as well like it, it's people kind of it's the kind of thing that it's so classic as well that I think people yeah, yeah. want to almost make stuff that will almost like aim for that bar, like you know, because the bar has been yes, set indeed, yeah. with these great shows. You know, there's a bunch of yeah. like classics, and it's definitely one of them now, isn't it? Like, I think it is. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, I say it just seems to be timeless. But I saw that because it was, you know, it's fairly timeless. It wasn't sort of just of the time, you know. So that's why it's carrying on, I suppose. You know. Yeah. No, that's yeah, really. Say, cool. Most good comedy, I think, will survive. Mm. Uh, time will just, you know, most most good stuff is fairly timeless, unless it's meant to be topical. Then, obviously, you know, it's of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been thinking recently that um, that that what is definitely needed these these days, I think, is a, a kind of a bit of a return to a bit of the silliness or, and a bit of the kind of. Uh, yeah. Um, like, kind of madcap kind of stuff, and uh, just very. Well, that's what Father Ted was, really. Yeah, just yeah, it's, it's nonsense, but inspired nonsense, basically. Yeah, exactly. It? Nonsense with a bit of uh, weight to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the sort of comedy I like. I must say, is just sort of nonsense with a bit of uh, intelligence attached to it. You know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and characters as well, just just solid characters, you know. I think we were talking about that before. Well, that, that, I think that's the basis, yeah, that's what we mentioned. The, the basis of all good sitcoms is the characters because if the characters aren't very well drawn in the first place, then the jokes are forced. They, they, they should come naturally from the characters. Hmm. It's not the actual... Sometimes it's not the actual joke itself, it's the fact that the character is saying those words, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes. Wouldn't wouldn't be funny from anybody else saying it apart yeah. from that character. Yeah, and you 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 were kind of mentioning before that, like, uh, was it like Graham Linehan and Arthur Matthews? They kind of like yeah. uh, they approached you before it had even before they even started in production with the whole thing. 
Yeah, it was. Um, I was doing a gig in the Bloomsbury Theatre. It was a, a, it was a an Irish night of comedians, and it was uh, myself and Dylan Moran and Ardell and somebody else. I think. Yeah, after the show, I was in the sort of the lobby. Can you say that as a lobby or foyer? <laughs> lobby to American. <laughs> the foyer of the theatre. <laughs> I don't know which one of those words w- w- you you'll get cancelled for, but uh, uh, you yeah, know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the front bit of the theatre, <laughs> and these two guys come up to me and said um, that they'd written a sitcom about the, the three Irish priests on a remote island in the west of Ireland, and they thought there might be a part for me in it. And I'm being honest, I thought it sounded like a lot of crap. Really. <laughs> <laughs> <Three> <laughs> I mean, it isn't obviously; it was brilliant, but I mean, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I just sort of, I didn't know them, and I just heard that you know three priests. On a remote island yeah. in Ireland, I thought, you know, this is going to be the real sort of stereotypical mm. nonsense, you know, but it wasn't, obviously isn't. Uh, but then about six months later, I just got this call to go into Hattrick Production Studio, no, their, their offices, sorry. Mm. And I I didn't get the impression it was an audition. Most auditions I've gone to before, you kind of, you're, you, you're put in a chair on your own, there's a somebody camera, there's a camera in front of you and there's some personal producer you know, but 20 yards away from me. Yeah. But it was just uh, myself and Graham and Arthur and Jeffrey Perkins, who was the producer, kind of just sitting around a table kind of thing. Mm. And they just asked me to read a few lines from the from the Father Stone scripts, which I did. And I was told later that um, Jeffrey Perkins, I think, was a bit slightly wary of me as because as, he just saw me. He just knew my stand-up, so he didn't think I... I could act really, which he's quite right. I can't, but I, could, uh, <laughs> I can act. <laughs> I can act as Father Stone or similar. You know? <laughs> but apparently, what um, what, what convinced uh, Jeffrey Perkins that I'd be good for the part was when uh, that bit where Father Ted is trying to get me out of the house, and then eventually, in desperation, he says, "There's a fire. Mm. Will you leave now?" And I say, "Well, yeah. If there's a fire." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that's what convinced Jeffrey Perkins, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, the the thing they say about that um, that night at the Bloomsbury Theatre, you know, it makes me mm. think that these moments that you were probably going through, um, and at the time it was like, and like, let's say you're approached about what became like one of the enduring legacies of your career basically yeah, that yeah. night but it's funny in the moment how basically i'm just trying to accept these days that i have no bloody clue like like what What's something happen, is yeah. like unless i try it you know oh totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's um as i said well, I mean, when i when i started in comedy i didn't deliberately um sort of well, I did deliberately did one-liners because I'd written them, but I didn't deliberately pause after them. It just, it just kind of happened. Really, it was just mm. kind of organic. It wasn't kind of like I didn't sit down in my flat one day and think, um, "I'll do a gag," and then I'll just pause and stare at the audience. It just, just seemed to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah, it's kind of just by doing it. Like it's this thing of it's it's like yeah. comedy is really, God, it's that's the I think the most immediate kind of performance thing really in that sense because yeah. you literally just have to get up there and do it you know no matter yeah, totally, no yeah, matter yeah, how yeah, much you think about it or how much you write or whatever yeah. like it's yeah it's great if you can write and you're prepared and all that but like mm. you will have to get up and and actually do it 
and yeah, and then like, within yeah. that that's the only place it, it's very like music as well with with me and at I'm the sure, moment yeah, yeah. but it's like uh by the only way to kind of find what it is that's working for me or or find my own voice or style or whatever mm. is just kind of just to be trying it uh, all different ways just keep on uh, going with it all the time you know yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um it must be in a way harder for music i mean to gauge an audience's reaction yeah because i mean you know at least, at least with comedy although it's terrifying you know that if you, if you don't get a laugh that's not good you know if you get a laugh it's good but with music it's kind of more it's not that's kind of immediate rush you won't get an immediate kind of yeah you won't know for sure will you no whether not really at all. like that or not yeah, yeah you get all i think there's all these different categories of people you get you get the people yeah. who maybe clearly you can see they're not enjoying it right then you get the ones yeah, yeah, who yeah. clearly they're enjoying it right and then you get yeah. the ones who aren't enjoying it <laughs> who, no sorry who are enjoying no sorry go back again who aren't yeah, I know it, the kind of in between who, yeah, yeah, yeah who aren't enjoying yeah. it but who are pretending they're enjoying it <laughs> you get all these different factions in there, there there's people yes. who just yeah like you kind of mentioned there's the ones that don't know if they enjoy it or not and they're kind of yeah. and you can get open-minded ones of them or you can get like you know yeah. total bastards <laughs> so, yes of course yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but it's um it's really mixed like it's really mixed and uh um the one one thing that i've been doing the last few years uh obviously before the lockdown was uh Mm. was playing like loads of gigs in in pubs like irish pubs and all kinds yeah, of pubs yeah. around london where i do loads of just like covers loads of well-known songs and yeah, it'd yeah. be fairly and i like the kind of smaller pubs actually there's a bit more of an atmosphere and you just it's easier to get an atmosphere yeah exactly going smaller, yeah. and just yeah. kind of go through the the set you know and uh by the end mm. of the night you really can tell if it's going well because of the the atmosphere. Yeah, is, well, the, is, yeah, the people are. Yeah. For other people are looking at you. Or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about yeah. the, the kind of rawness of those yeah. situations that you can yes, you can gauge yeah. it. But the very um, more like like ticketed kind of things where I'm there playing my own stuff and it's very like a little yeah. bit more like uh, there's a bit more art centric kind of. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. where it's open to interpretation. Did I did I yeah. love that or did I? fucking despise yeah, that no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or am i clapping just because i'm in a theater or an art center <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it yeah it's so it's so true oh man yeah because laugh laughter isn't it like it's such a it's a visceral thing like it just happens oh totally yeah 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 totally yeah. and it can be very it can be infectious as well yeah yeah you know can you can get a you know some people in the the audience start laughing, then other people might, they won't just laugh just because the other people are laughing, but they kind of will get into the kind of feel of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. When did you, when did you first start um, thinking about writing jokes? Like what, when did that kind it of was, um, come up? Well, I was quite friendly with Dermot Morgan, Father Ted in Dublin, and he was, um, he used to send in stuff to Mike Murphy, I'm sure you've heard of Mike Murphy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Him, for yeah. people, for people in England, it was kind of like, it was the Irish equivalent, not the Irish equivalent, because Terry Wogan was also Irish, but the <laughs> RTE's equivalent of Terry Wogan's morning radio show. Right. Yeah. And it was kind of <clears throat> playful, kind of jokey kind of mm. uh, show. So Dermot was uh, sending stuff in. So he said, uh, why don't you try it? So I did. And he started reading some of my stuff out. So that was the first time I ever thought, well, maybe I could actually do this possibly as a career, although <clears throat> that didn't turn into a career because I, mean, I was only just writing the odd one-liner for 
RT radio, so I wasn't exactly mm. going to buy my yacht in the Mediterranean yeah. on that, yeah. <laughs> but it, it gave me a sense of that I can do this, you mm -hmm. know. So that was, that was, that was yes. the first time I ever had sort of <clears throat> anything kind of broadcast, if you like. That was 19, 1980, I think. Mm. In fact, I'm sure it was. Mm. <laughs> it's printed on my brain, it was 1980. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, there was nothing much, there was no comedy in RT then. I mean, and I, you know, I, I didn't have any idea for any particular sitcom or anything. I was just sort of writing gags. <clears throat> I realised after a while I'm not going to make a living out of this. And a guy called Billy McGraw, who later became head of um, comedy in RT, he has his own production company now. He started a comedy club uh, in Mount Mary, it was near where I live, just a little, in a little basement area, and I started doing a few gigs there. It only lasted about six or seven weeks because there was, was, was only myself and there was a guy called Kevin McAleer, who I'm sure you know, and a couple of others. And um, Oh, yeah. Then it just kind of it just faded out, really. You know? hmm. And then I did, the, I did a sketch show at Dermot then. I can't remember how long ago it was after that, maybe about a year. And we did a sketch show. Well, it was his, it was his show. I mean, it wasn't him. It was his show, but I had nice bits in it. And he gave me my own bit as well. And uh, it was filmed over about six weeks, six or seven weeks. And they had six episodes in the can, as they say. Yeah. And Dermot was kind of, you know, they said he'd probably be shown on television about six months later. <clears throat> six months passed anyway, and he, he still hadn't heard from Morty. And then another few months passed, and eventually... A year later, they said, um, "Well, actually, we're not going to show it at all. We're just going to show a, a one one hour special because uh, we just don't think it's strong enough." Mm. Which is a shame. I mean, I, I, I don't know because I mean I wasn't in all the sketches, so I don't know how strong or weak they were. But I mean, there was nothing else on RT television, and there weren't there was nothing offensive in it. So they yeah. would have been better off just showing it anyway. You know? Yeah, because it was there. Yeah. They spent the money on it. You know. Yeah, it's a shame. So um, it was after that that I, I mentioned Kevin McAleer earlier. I met him, he'd already gone to London, but I met him in Dublin. I can't remember whether it was by design or whether I just bumped into him. Mm. But he was telling me about the circuit in London. Yeah. And so I just, uh, just decided to go. Amazing. That's mm. cool that it was yeah. Kevin McAleer who gave you a bit of uh, like a nudge or something. Because, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, he is another one like who I like, like I put you in this category as well. But like I, I just like these like amazing Irish comedians, do you know what I mean? Like he's, yeah, he's, he's just genius. Yes. Just, um, I mean, everybody mentions his owl side, the slide of the owls. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I mean, that owl is brilliant, mm. but he's also, he also has some brilliant jokes as well. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No. It's just, it's oh just my his God. style. I just love it. Yeah. He's the kind of um, comedian that could like, uh, transcend all the ages too because I remember him being on TV you, yeah. and like we yeah. were kids watching his uh, he did <laughs> yes, this kind yeah. of monologue you know about like yeah with the, the Tyrone man yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like everyone loves it you know everyone can, yeah, can, yeah. Get, can get it you know it's, it's unbelievable of course yeah you can, you can, you can identify it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it's, that, oh, yeah that's cool great, yeah. yeah so the uh, how long did it take you to get uh, like involved in the circuit in London then when you went over? Well, uh, we got involved immediately, but when, mm. from the point of view of them kind of getting paid gigs, mm. it was probably six months to a year. I mean, I probably got the odd paid gig after six months, but nothing kind of major. Mm. Um, but I remember after about, so after about eight or nine months, I did a few open spots in the comedy store and the guy called Kim Kinney, who used to manage the comedy store at the time, 
just really liked me and um, he just started booking me. So I was, I was doing the comedy store after about a year, a year after I arrived in London, which was amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I, I didn't think that was going to happen so quick, you know. Amazing. That's cool. So it was great, yeah. yeah. But I suppose my style was very, well, it was quite geared to the comedy store because it, you know, it was very much gag related because, I mean, the comedy store could be a, could have been a, could be a vicious place in mm. those days anyway because it was just a basement in Leicester Square and the, the, they would have um, two shows on Friday and two shows on Saturday and the second shows would be start at midnight. So you basically have people coming in from the pubs yeah. and drinking again yeah. in the comedy stores. Oh, it's tough, tough work. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if you didn't hit them immediately, you could, you, you could get, uh, get booed off very quickly. You know? Yeah. So I was lucky that my stuff was very much gag-related and I could hit them straight away. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I, I'd I'd give anything to be just like transported back to, to just like a Saturday night in London, <laughs> yes. early eighties. Just yeah, go into yeah. a place like that because just just the the it must have been a great vibe, a bit of excitement as well. Because there's a, oh, it was. I mean, the thing the thing about it is that uh, you know that I say a lot of them were pissed, but I mean they weren't necessarily always ugly pissed. So if they <laughs> liked you, <laughs> if they liked you, it could be a brilliant gig, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd really let go; they wouldn't sort of hold back. So it was, um, yeah, yeah. Some of the best gigs of my life have been in the comedy store. Yeah, um, the the original comedy store. Yeah, not the original original because the original one was with uh, in uh, in Soho, I think. That was with uh, Rick Mail and all that sort of guy. Okay, yeah. And Lexi Sale. That's where they started. But then it moved to the basement in Leicester Square and that's where I did my stuff it's now just about I think about 100 yards up the road mm. it's, it's more it's more sophisticated now it's kind of all proper seating facing the stage the one I did was was a basement and there was even you would think it wouldn't work because there was pillars mm. in the way of people's view and everything but it just didn't didn't seem to make any difference yeah one thing that's cool is uh, I was in the comedy store a couple of years ago. Just just kind of went in there one mm. night, and like they still have a picture of you in the in the so, yeah, so, in the lobby, somebody, which is somebody, which is cool. In the foyer the lobby, nice, yeah. <laughs> one of the other yeah, the stairs, I think it is. The, <laughs> the stairs, store. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, yourself yeah, and like so, so somebody did. Um, I saw it on some some podcasts. Some guys did. And they're kind of going into the comedy store, and I saw it on the wall. As they're kind of, they're fi- not they're not filming mine in particular. They're just filming the guys going into the comedy store down the stairs. And yeah. I saw the oh, picture yeah. on the wall. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, cool. So that, they, they haven't torn it up yet. <laughs> no, I think I used that picture as well. The same one in the documentary. You know, in one of the shots. It's that's like, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, get a lot of people. You no, know, I get people come up to me who've seen that documentary. They really like it. Oh, man, that's yeah. been a. No, it was, it was such a pleasure. The filming was great. The filming was amazing. Really. Just it's, great, it's very atmospheric. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, yeah just no, just to say to anyone who's who who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, yeah. I uh, with 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 my good friend Clive, uh, we made a documentary about Michael, like yeah. a short documentary. It was part of a series we were doing yeah. uh, called Por- Por- Portrait. Portraits. I think. Portraits. Yeah. yeah. So Michael is yeah. the first episode. There's three episodes, but. Yeah. Um, so it was cool because that idea came to me like just one night. I was just literally sitting here yeah. really late at night. I was like, oh, that, that, that'd that be good. And I literally emailed you the next <laughs> day. And then w- within, I think, yeah. two weeks, we were up there shooting. It was very quick. Yeah, yeah it was very quick. Yeah. yeah. And we spent three days. But that's been that was like a such a pleasure for me. Like I, I, I it was also really. Likewise. Yeah, thanks. It was really um, affirming or something uh, uh, yeah. because. Like of all things that I've made, you know, like in with like 
uh, you know, like short films and music or whatever, mm. that f that particular film has been the thing that people have watched the most, have talked about yeah, the most, good, yeah. have uh, nice. has got the most uh, views online, and 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 really it's it's almost like I didn't, I wasn't involved because I I see it as like, oh, <laughs> wouldn't it have been nice to have made that? <laughs> You know. <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good sign then. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That's good. You're oh, not good. To Christ, oh, you. good comments <laughs> underneath something. Oh. <laughs> must have, must have yeah. been someone else. <laughs> but, uh, no, but that was just uh, that was great. No, was really and what a way to, fun, yeah. to spend a bit of time too. You know. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a nice social thing um, as well. Yeah. That was good fun. Definitely. Um, I was thinking about. Uh, yeah, something about the oh yeah this was it when every year apart from the last year I, I, that's a given mm. anyway but like I, every year probably for the last 30 years there's probably been a bunch of Irish comedians I would say maybe mm. you could say there might be maybe in a good year I'm just guessing now but I'm going to guess yeah. there could be 50 on a good year that might go to London to want to try to do comedy as in move to London yeah, I mean, I'm kind of out of touch with that so I don't know yeah. but I can imagine yeah, yeah. but I, I'm just thinking it's probably that number is a bit high but I'm just saying like mm. to just to maybe kind of uh, make a, an extreme example out of it like um. because comedy is so big now like people would be going over loads of people oh i'm going to try to do it in london probably you know yes, every yeah, year yeah, yeah. and just thinking back that time you went it was probably just yourself like well it, it wasn't really bizarrely there was already okay. four okay four. Uh, yeah. well not already four there was kevin mcalear mm. there's also ian mcpherson who became a writer ah. and uh, owen o'neill who still does it as far as i know oh yeah owen o'neill so there's a owen is from the north owen is from tyrone the same same ah. county as kevin mcalear and at least I think he is anyway. Um, so there was, yeah, there was already Kevin, Owen and Ian doing it. So I think I, a lot of people think I was the first because I was on Friday Night Live, I think. Okay. And once you're mm. on television, they kind of see, see you as, you know, you must be the only Irish comedian over there. But I wasn't actually. It was, mm. And I think Sean Hughes has come over on the same but, time as well. I know he had him. Yeah. But still, sure there's, it, it, it's fairly few uh, people, do you know what I mean? It's not... It's, oh, compared it to what it is now, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, compared yeah. to what it is now. And but also the fact that um, I think uh, Owen, and, Owen and Ian had, were actually living in London. They didn't go there from Ireland to do comedy. They were already living right, in London right. doing other things and they, they decided to do comedy while they were there kind of thing. So it wasn't like, it wasn't yeah. an exodus of Irish comedians to London like, like it probably is now, you know? yeah. I was just curious, like, how, how did that feel to be doing something that was so kind of, like, really probably a little unusual, actually, at the time? Well, it was, it was amazing, particularly for, for me, because I, I'd done, been in and out of jobs for years. I kind of I was brought up in a kind of residential area, South Dublin, and um, just doing all these kind of jobs. I hated, like, mm. insurance and accountancy and things mm. like that. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I couldn't imagine it, you the, know. No, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was horrendous, but <laughs> that kind of was, was the kind of, uh, it was the kind of culture I lived in. It wasn't, my, my parents didn't force me into it, but it was kind of like, that's what everybody did from that area. You wouldn't think yeah. of becoming a a plumber or a chef, kind of either, the kind of mm. school I went to, you kind of went into accountancy or law or that kind of thing, or an architect or something. You wouldn't have thought of doing anything else. 
outside mm. of those kind of three or four careers. Mm. Um, and there was no, there was no history of comedy in Ireland apart from the, you know, the the mother-in-law merchants and <laughs> that kind of thing. You know? mm, yeah. A yeah. kind of uh, chicken in a basket on a Sunday afternoon, somewhere. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, it was, it was just hugely liberating for me because uh, for a long time I just thought this is my life, you know. I mean, I nearly went insane because I thought I'm not, I can't do this for fifty years because I hate it and it's just no point, you know. Um, oh, so I just I had no idea what I was going to do. It was just horrible for about ten years. Yeah. I used to dread every Sunday night going into work the next morning because I know there was a week of yeah. drudgery and boredom ahead of me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. that I love that. It's so yeah. it's really inspiring, though. You know, I I, yeah. I I find that really inspiring. Like you just you just went with it. You know, you just said like this isn't. I I, I feel stuck here. I'm just going to go for this, and you just yeah, you, exactly, you yeah. just did it. Yeah. I think in the end, I just had to. I just would have literally. Would have cracked up and ended up in a psychiatric hospital yeah. somewhere yeah. <laughs> for yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Um, Genuinely, I mean, I'm saying that in a slightly facetious way, but I think I would have, I would have snapped, you know, mm. if I didn't, if I, if I hadn't found something. But I suppose in my head, I was determined to find something. I didn't know what it was. Mm. I was determined I would find a way out of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost a prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's really, it's really, really nice to hear about that, that side of it, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, a, a kind of a bit of a, a bit of freedom, really. Yeah, it was totally, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was a combination, I'd say, of, of that being released from that environment and also the fact that I was doing something that I really liked, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, um, your your style as well is, you know, it's, it's kind of legendary, but the, the way you deliver stuff... Um, can you remember any specific like jokes that you had when you started off in, in, on the on the circuit there that time? Yeah, well, I literally <laughs> only had um, I think I had two jokes. All right. When I arrived in London, <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's a lot. That's confidence. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't really. It was naivety, really. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first joke was um, I'd already I'd already written it in in, in Ireland. And it was just kind of just came into my head one day, and it's that. I still sometimes use this, that like most people from Ireland, I was born a Catholic, which actually came as a bit of a shock to my parents who were both Protestants. Yeah. And then on the train from Hollyhead um, to London on the way to, I thought of another joke, which was, um, there's one thing I noticed you have in England, which we don't have in Ireland, Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never heard that one. It. Have you not? No. no. <laughs> I think, I think I did that on Friday Night Live. Maybe I didn't, I don't know. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, they were the only two jokes I had when I arrived. So, I mean, I think I spent a couple of weeks trying to write more material when I was in London because I knew I couldn't go on. Even though you only had to do, as an open spot, you only had to do four or five minutes. Hmm. In fact, you, you, if you did it over, they'd be pissed off. So I knew I couldn't go on and just do two jokes <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. try and write more material very quickly. But, um, yeah. They, 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 I think they were those two jokes were my mainstay. I think I used to open with them, and then the material I'd written within those two weeks, I kind of used to try and shove in there, which probably wasn't as strong. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, gradually, as, as time went on, yeah. just built it up, you know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> really cool. Um, did did you um, when you like uh, did the Father Ted thing when that kind of mm. uh, 
I guess when that just became really well known at the time. Uh, yeah. Did you notice like a big? Um, were people like recognizing you all the time, or were you it getting a bit a of that? It took it took a while. It, get, it didn't get that much at the start, and I think it was. Um, I don't know whether I told you this. I told you this during the last time we did the podcast where you had to where the sound wasn't right. Yeah. The first time that it really hit, hit me, I think it was about. It's probably about two years after the episode had been shown on television. But I think it'd been, mm. if an episode, if you're just in one episode and it's shown and then it's not repeated, people are not going to remember you. It has to be repeated three or four mm. times, I think, before your face starts getting yeah. kind of recognised. And yeah, the first time I really noticed was um, I was living in London at the time and um, my girlfriend was manager of a restaurant. We lived in the flat above the restaurant because that came with her job as manager. But... Mm. Um, there was a hatch leading from the restaurant up to our flat and she used to, that's how she used to come up in the evening because going around the back was a bit dodgy at night. Mm. But anyway, she rang me one evening, um, this was before cigarettes were banned in, inside, and she said she'd forgotten her cigarettes and would I mind coming to the hatch and dropping her cigarettes down because she wanted to have a cigarette after work. Mm-hmm. So I got her cigarettes and I went to the hatch, but in the meantime she'd been distracted by a customer, so... She wasn't underneath the hatch, but it was quite a small restaurant and there was a table with a couple underneath the hatch. Yeah. <laughs> so I opened up the hatch, which was quite noisy. <laughs> I looked down, I couldn't see, uh, she wasn't there, but I just saw this couple and they were, they obviously were distracted by the sound of the hatch opening and they looked up and the witness would look basically like my disembodied face of Father Stone staring down and the guy looked at me for a few seconds and he genuinely looked bewildered and he said, Jesus, it's Father Stone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first time I, I can recall sort of being recognised, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's, ne- it's never been that intrusive since. I mean, I don't get, you know, people come up to me in restaurants or stopping me in the street all the time. It's not like that. It's yeah. Occasionally, um, I do get people in the streets saying, would you mind if I took a selfie and all that? But I mean, it's not, they don't pin me up against a wall and ask me to tell stories. They just take a selfie and then just go. It's fine. It's not a... It's not a major thing, you know, it's not a big disruption to my life or anything, but it's nice, also nice to be recognised as well, to be honest. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it must have been uh, must have been cool as well, like, because even, well, just getting the show and after doing comedy for many years and, like, uh, mm. it, it's like, uh, it's, it's uh, I know it's a good marker that, you know, things are going well and, like... Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just to be part of something that... Um, Something so iconic, yeah, it was yeah, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Yeah, so, so that's it's awesome. my profile as well <clears throat> in every way, which is great, you know. But I mean, you're talking about the thing about being recognised as... Um, I say it's not really intrusive for me. It doesn't disrupt my life much, but I, I can imagine what it's like if you're really, really famous because uh, I'm not sure if I told you the story. My, my, my son's told me that a friend of theirs was on a bus one day going by the block of flats I lived in. And there was a couple of women... And they looked over to the flats that I live in and they said, um, that, that guy from Father Ted lives in, lives in the penthouse of one of those flats and apparently he's a cocaine addict. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, that's minor celebrity. Imagine what it's like if you're a really well known. Imagine the amount of nonsense stories that go about you. Know? That's apparently amazing. he's a cocaine addict. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That's amazing, man. And I lived in the penthouse. I lived on the ground floor, in fact, so <laughs> neither was true. <laughs> yeah, I live on the ground floor, okay? 
yeah, and I don't have any cocaine. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Um, yeah, and so yeah, uh, wh- what was the I'm I'm like what was the the impetus that made you decide to move to Glasgow then after after uh, well, living was, in um, London? Well, I kind of so I kind long. of been doing the circuit in London for a long time. And I was kind of getting a bit fed up, but I wasn't really moving on. I was kind of finding it hard to write new material. And I think I was just getting fed up doing the whole thing, really, to be honest. Mm. And um, my girlfriend at the time, who was also the mother of my kids, was from Glasgow, is mm. from Glasgow. And we, we, we'd got up quite a few yeah. times, and I quite liked the kind of feel of the place. And also we'd um, twin sons who were quite young, and we'd no family in London, but she had a mother and stepfather in Glasgow. And we didn't specifically go up so they would babysit or anything, but it's kind of nice to have kind of family support if you've got young kids. So, um, yeah. And she'd been offered a job in Glasgow, so and I was, I was getting fed up with the circuit in London, so we just went, basically. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a career move. Yeah, yeah. Because it was only... The, the stand wasn't even open in Glasgow then, you know? Yeah. It's such so a... I think it was basically a house husband for about two or three years, really. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool um, city, though, Glasgow. I, I really love oh, it's it. It's great, yeah, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Yeah. Some, something special about it, all right. The times I, I've been up there, been up to, actually went up to, was kind of doing a gig there one time, um, yeah. uh, where, uh, in the stand one time, and then I met you up there as well, and then we went yeah, up to, right, to yeah. shoot, and I was up there to meet my cousin there as well. I have a cousin who lives there. I didn't, that's right, I remember you, I remember you, I remember you, I met you for lunch after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. um, yeah, it's just a, that, that was like January 2020, so like before the, like coronavirus thing just kicked, just before the lockdown yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and um yeah. yeah i had an amazing few days just wandering around i went into the gallery there um the uh, gallery of modern art yeah yeah, I mean, yeah yeah incredible yeah, great, yeah. so yeah I'll, I'll be back anyway whenever this this is over <laughs> this nonsense is all done with yeah, yeah exactly i'll be back back yeah. for sure um yeah. yeah um and are are you uh are you still um are you still um, uh, thinking of like writing some projects? Like I know you had some stuff on the on the go before, like you were talking about well, a, ra- the, the, the a radio thing and. Um, the so writing a radio thing. I can't remember that. Me, me, oh, no, I'm involved in a radio thing. No, I'm not writing it. I'm involved okay. in a show called. Uh, Sorry. It's called Fags, Mags, and Bags on Radio okay. Four. Okay. Cool. It's written by a guy, guys called Johnny McCleary and um, Sajiv Kohli. Okay. Two guys, two guys based in Glasgow. It's, 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 I mean, it's been going for nine series on Radio Four. Wow. And I, I wasn't in from the start. I've only, I've only been in the last uh, four series, I think. Okay, cool. But I played the part of a bishop. <laughs> I move, move up from uh, I move up from uh, a priest. But um, it's kind of a, it's similar to Father Stone in a way, but it's obviously I've have a lot more to say, and there's a bit more, a bit more uh, words involved rather than just uh, standing there saying I'm fine. But it's a great, it's a really funny show. I really like it. And I said it's already there's already been nine series, so yeah. Hopefully there'll be another one. But I, I, I've no, I've no part in the writing of it, no. Yeah. Uh, but as I told you, I told you earlier, I'm, I'm writing I'm writing that uh, the diary of a comedian in lockdown. That's kind of uh, taking up most of my time at the moment, as well as doing the shoutouts for Irish if I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not not kind of not hanging around at a loose end too much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait to to. To read some of that sometime, it sounds sounds, well, sounds I mean, great. I probably have to I probably have to try and self publish it because it's so hard yeah. to get a writing agent and then get it published. You know, I'll probably just self publish and try and try and sort of publicize it on Twitter and Facebook and the like. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, well, it, it sounds good anyway, Michael. And yeah. I don't know, I, I think that, um, like, in in my time doing comedy, like, you know, like, like uh, I always, like, found you, like, the, like, literally, like, the nicest, the nicest kind of uh, person on the circuit that I that I met. You know what I mean? It really, <laughs> yeah, just really I'm like totally false. I, like, <laughs> but yeah, you, you're always so kind of open and like kind of uh, just really nice and and like I, I'm just I really appreciate the the friendship that that we developed as well. You know, it's well, really likewise, cool. yeah, likewise, you're a good mate. Yeah, don't worry, it's not two-sided. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, man. So, yeah, so thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. A pleasure as ever, mate. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, as you say, hopefully see you up in Glasgow. Or maybe I'll be down in London. You don't know. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. We so might swap over uh, one day. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I, I might go train, to train, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, thanks for listening. What a lovely guy. What a lovely chat. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here on the show. Remember to sign up at patreon.com slash Emmett O'Malley. And also look up Michael on irishify.com and yeah, request a shout out for someone you know. Anyway, I hope you have a lovely, lovely week and I will be back here next week with another podcast. See you soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>